Hey listeners, before we begin, I just want to advise you, um, the subject matter may be triggering for some, and if that is the case, please take care of yourself and make sure that you are listening to this uh, in a place, in a space, without, shall we say, minors? October 1st, 2017. Route 91 Harvest Music Festival on the Las Vegas Strip in Nevada. 64-year-old Stephen Paddock fired more than a thousand rounds of ammunition from his suite on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Hotel. He was armed with 14 rifles and had access to 23 additional weapons, killing 58 and injuring 546. He was found an hour later from self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Now, according to the most recent data available since that fatal evening in October of 2017, there have been 38 incidents of active shooting uh, reported, and this is from FBI.gov. Now, it is important for me to note and to tell you that the report I found only dates to 2018, which means that these 38 incidents happened just within that year, averaging about three per month. Yikes, right? Uh, 2019 has gone on record as being a year with the highest mass shooting. And if you've ever found yourself in any of these situations or know of someone who has, please accept my deepest and most heartfelt sympathy and hope that you've gotten the support you've needed and still are. And for those of us who are fortunate enough not to have experienced this, I ask, What would you do? What should we do? Now, fears and anxieties are at an all-time high these days because at the time of this recording, we are dealing with COVID-19, also known as coronavirus, and apparently the boomer killer by some insensitive millennials. We love them. Got to interject a little humor here. Why not? Um, So while I'm in no way suggesting or predicting fatal situations, I can't imagine how being informed or equipped to navigate such a situation may be harmful. Enter active shooter preparedness. What the fuckery is active shooting preparedness? Well, we're about to find out. I'm Nadej August, your host. If this is your first time, welcome. Now, What the Fockery is a podcast about the things we hear about but don't know enough about. A series of conversations dedicated to hearing firsthand from the very people whose lifestyle, truths, or concepts we struggle with understanding. The very things we should know about but are afraid to discuss. Now, our subjects and topics may or may not be mainstream, but our guests and sometimes experts are in it, living their truth whether we accept them or not. And in that process, if we manage to bring clarity to you, dear listener, then thank you for being curious, open, willing, and inspired. And in that vein today, my guests, and I say guests plural because we've never done this before, having more than two people, usually myself and a guest on. My guests are Troy and Shannon Zeman. Uh, They founded 
S.C. Zeman, S.C. Zeman, forgive me, after surviving the Las Vegas mass shooting in 2017. So we are talking to people who are both survivors and, get this, so they've been married for over 18 years, uh, but they created this training, I suppose, and we're going to hear about it, uh, after surviving, and their mission is to provide knowledge and hope of survival in an active shooter event. Now, Troy, the husband, has been in law enforcement for over 24 years. Since 1999, Troy has been involved in thousands and hours of training and research regarding active shooter events. Troy has been awarded the California State Governor's Medal of Valor. I am in good company. <laughs> Newport Beach Police Chief's Citation, City of Newport Beach Medal of Valor, along with many other awards for his amazing service to the public. Thank you very much, by the way. And Shannon, the wife, is a Baylor University grad with a background of sales and marketing. She has learned a lot through her 18 years of being the wife of a law enforcement officer. That worked out. <laughs> you must have felt protected all along. Um, Shannon provides a civilian perspective of an active shooter event. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, where do we even begin? Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you ended up at the concert? Were you there for the concert? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Shannon's really good at t telling this story, so. Uh, well, in uh, 2016, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so that year we went through, I had six different surgeries and went through chemo and I had finished my what we called my big chemo at the time and we had always gone through to stagecoach which is a very popular event well I was in chemo at the time and we heard about this smaller venue called Route 91 in Vegas and so a whole bunch of our friends were like well that sounds like a lot of fun and let's go celebrate in October that I'm done with chemo and so we had a group of 14 friends and we were there for the whole weekend celebrating, having an amazing time and, you know, just getting ready to start the next, literally the next journey of our life. But we just didn't know this night was going to be a definition of who you become. Who, who we were going to become also. So, um, yeah, we were there having an amazing time. Um, dancing, celebrating with our friends, and had no clue um, what was, you know, going, going to, to yeah, right in front of our faces. So then, what happens? So this is the uh, third night of the concert. So we've been there for two days, and this is the third night. It's actually the last singer of the concert. Jason Aldean is on stage. So the concert goes, if you don't know one of these concerts, they go from, say, like 10 o'clock in the afternoon all the way till 10 or 11 at night. It's a pretty long ordeal. <clears throat> and there's multiple singers on all, all day long. So um, we start pretty early there. 
Um, it's a great venue. It's like Coachella, except it's clean. Yes. It's very clean. <laughs> yes, it's much clean. It was amazing. It had uh, AstroTurf and... Uh, Cement. And asphalt, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we start usually towards the front of the stage because there's not a lot of people there in the beginning. And um, as it gets to be bigger and bigger crowds, um, I don't like big crowds just from my training. So I start to back up. And um, at the time, Jason Aldean was there. I actually backed up. I actually backed up a lot um, to the point where I was off of this um, area that had a lot of astroturf. And um, so at that point, Shannon um, was up at front with her, with all the people that we went with, and she came back to meet me. And so she came back to meet me, and a couple of songs went by, and then a couple of her friends came back, and it's getting pretty crowded over there on the mm -hmm. right side of the stage now. And, um, yeah, about 10, 10.04, um, 10 o'clock-ish, uh, we just started hearing some gunfire. Well, tell Troy was being the good husband, and he and our friend were at the bars getting us more drinks, because that's what... Any husband, good husband would yeah. do. So we were actually separated at the time that the shooting started. And you knew right away they were gunshots, of course. But did you, Shannon, know? I did not. You, but you heard something. I did. So um, he, it, the shooter actually it did a, a few test shots, is what they were calling them, or random shots. And I heard those and I thought they were the fireworks going to come off of, you know, we're at yeah, the end of the concert, yeah, right? So fireworks, big fireworks. And so I was looking at the stage, just anticipating that and nothing happened. But again, you're not really thinking, why, why would I sit there and be like, oh, yeah. Jason Aldean's still singing, everybody's dancing, we're having a great time. The next round goes off and it sounds like to me, the old fireworks on a string, but the boppity bop, bop, bop. And so in my head, I'm like, who is the idiot that brought in firecrackers? Firecrackers, like what? We, we what is doing in. this? Yeah, it, but in. there is no reaction from the audience at all. Okay. It, Jason Aldean's still singing. Everybody's still dancing. Nobody moves. Okay. And so again, you're not thinking anything. Now, Troy, you're on the other side by the bar with your buddies. Yeah. So it's me and one other friend, and we went to the bar. Um, and but the bar is fair, fairly close to where we were standing. Um, great venue had a bar, bars everywhere, so it was only a, like twenty feet away from the where Shannon and her friend are, and uh, maybe forty feet, something like that. And uh, we're standing be facing the bartender, and uh, the shots are coming from the behind us. So as the first barrage comes down, um, I hear the gunfire. I hear um, some ticking noise rapid ticking noise and then i um i feel some stuff on the back of my legs like hitting me like um like if it was shrapnel but not real shrapnel mm -hmm. so i turn around to look i don't know that it's actually gunfire yet um, because of where the shooter was shooting from and and the perch that he was on and inside of a hotel room the sounds are common for gunshot but it wasn't like if i was shooting my own gun um, it was definitely different and so as I turned around to assess the crowd, the crowd was dancing and singing. Jason Aldean was singing. Nobody was reacting. And at that moment, um, a second barrage came down. And when the second barrage came down, I could actually see the rounds coming from, from like darkness into where we are. And um, I couldn't see them all, but there's some that I could see. And then you could see 
people start getting hit. And when they started getting hit, the crowd started reacting pretty heavily. Um, and that's kind of normal for the neuroscience behind it. You don't expect this. You're trying to figure it out. Even though you don't react, you still know something's wrong yeah, as a crowd. Yeah, your brain processing the messages and absolutely. the memories and everything you think you know. Yes, absolutely. So the second barrage came down so quickly that I think that was just about the time where all the people in the crowd were probably going to react anyway. But then um, the reaction came out and I could see the panic and the, the rounds coming down range and then um, seeing some of the victims. And I turned to my friend and said, okay, we got to get to the end of this bar area. Um, and at the end of this bar area, there's a uh, Maui gym sunglass hut that we actually um, took cover behind. So it was, uh, it was pretty massive. Um, I mean, there's 22,000 people at this concert. Wow. On the right side of the stage is where we got most of the gunfire at. Um, like you said earlier, there's over a thousand rounds. The suspect had over 5,000 rounds left. So for him not to utilize that, it was, it was pretty impressive that the officers were able to get to the, to the stage and, and the officers came down Las Vegas Boulevard enough to give him enough pressure to not fire those extra 5,000 rounds. So that was really good. How did that work out? So <clears throat> explain it. So these officers <clears throat> come through them and how did they give him pressure? Were they firing back? No, no fire back. Um, not that I know of. Um, but what happens is, as as everybody um, understand, if you understand how your mind works, then what happens is, in a stressful situation like that, you get to a point in in your in your mental capacity that you can't hold handle anymore. So you either freeze, break. Um, yeah, or you break. And at this point, what happened was officers got onto the thirty second floor very quickly. And he had cameras outside of his door that could see down the hallway. So now he had three different locations that he actually had to, to attend to. And that attention, that the divided attention, we believe, I believe, that it caused him so much stress that he just had to end it at that point. He had to say, I'm done. They're coming from three different directions. So what happened was because they responded so quickly, he actually had the venue. Um, I actually saw a photograph from the, the window of, of the the view of the suspect and he had the the venue in the background in the foreground he had las vegas boulevard which was full of cops and cop cars and then in the hallway was behind him was um, a number of officers and some security guards so what he had to do is he had to shoot out the window trying to hurt people at the venue then he had to divide his attention and and shoot at the officers on Las Vegas Boulevard. And then he had to turn around and shoot through the door. And the door, he he put a lot of rounds through that door too. So there's just so much stress a human body can actually take, take before it breaks. Yeah, and I believe because they put so much pressure on him. He ended it. Yes. It's okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, he he gets upset because of how proud he is of, of the, work the, done. the work that they and did. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did a great job. Yeah. He gets, it's okay, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen the, our show on Kelly Clarkson, we talk about how Troy likes to cry a lot. No, I'm just kidding. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I do like crying. <laughs> yeah, he just gets extremely... Anytime we do our trainings or anything, anytime we talk about how unbelievable every single person was in this event um in 
you know, stopping him and caring and tending to other people. Like it just, it, it gets very emotional. Yeah, it, it's, it's, with the, with, it's a good emotion. It's a good it's a very, yeah. Yes. Proud oh, yeah. emotion. It's it very PTSD. proud. PTSD. It's not a, it's not that sort of, it's right, the right. trauma of it. It's, yeah. it's, I, I've lived I in a police life since I was 21 years old and you see so much trauma and bad things that when good things happen, it's cause for pride as it should be. Hey listeners. The term self-care is thrown around a lot these days, and deservedly so. And I think we can all agree that mental health is part of self-care. And one of the many reasons we tell ourselves is lack of time and money. Well, BetterHelp.com is the world's largest counseling service. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Now, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed, accredited, and board-certified therapist in under 24 hours. Therapy from the comfort of your own space. What could be better than that? You can schedule weekly video sessions or phone sessions with your own personal counselor. You can log into your account at any time from anywhere to send a message to your counselor. And BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change your counselor if you ever needed to. Um, it's very affordable. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And financial aid is available. So get started today. And you as a What the Fockery listener, get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com dot com forward slash fockery 10 again that's better help h-e-l-p dot com forward slash fockery 10 in fact use fockery 10 as a promo code and discount code anytime and anywhere you um use our sponsors okay back to our program yep and i if you know i don't mean to bring it up but i understand that two police officers lost their lives. Yep. Now, was this, were they civilians or were they on duty? Do you know? Um, I know that two of the Metro guys, I think, were on duty. I actually think the two that were on duty um, died. Um, and then there was, if I remember correctly, well, maybe one of them was actually, um, one of them was off duty. Okay. And then there was several other ones that were shot that were off duty mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. Southern California. Who were just... They were just there for the concert. Nope. Yeah, I mean, every and and you know, I mean, the fifty-eight people who um, unfortunately lost their lives. They, um, you know, a lot of them were just from this area. They're from California. Um, yeah, they went there. To yeah, yeah, everybody's just there yeah, to have right. a good time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, you know, reading the report of this incident. The person, um, the suspect involved in it, he, you know, he planned this for a year. So that's, and no and one that's, knows what his motive was. Yeah, he planned this. Yeah, and it's still a mystery. It, the motive's a mystery, but we they they know for a fact between FBI and Metro Las Vegas, they they know for a fact that you know he was he the was lo lone person planned it. They did a lot of background. They did a great investigation. Um, the report was hundreds of pages long, and it, a lot of uh, good explanations in it. Um, it's just sometimes we have bad people in the world. Of course, of course. And and one How of the things with him is that he it, this wasn't the only venue he visited. Like he he visited uh, beaches. Mm -hmm. He vis there were other. Um, so this was someone who was looking for a gathering where he can get to a lot of right. the, the most yes. people at the the easiest way. I right. Guess. Yeah. Yes. So. Yes. Boo. Uh, yeah, right. So just to 
I need to finish this, obviously, and thankfully, you both made it. Right. How did you find each other in the midst of this chaos? Well, so um, luckily, we wound up running to the exact same place. So like Troy said at the second barrage, he knew what we were being shot at, and they moved to where the Maui gym was. At the second barrage that came out, I still thought it was fireworks. Just because of the fact, why would you ever think we're being shot at? Like, why would you ever? But because of... um, Everybody was reacting. I knew we had like 7,000 people that were now turning around and running towards us. So my whole point was that we were going to um, try and get out of the way so we weren't trampled. And so we wound up going, Troy came back and we wound up going sideways and we met at the Maui gym. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now, when you say we, you and your girlfriends, yes. you all, did you all band together? There was, was only there two of, of us. Okay. There was um, a tremendous amount of screaming. Um, When Troy and I talk at our trainings and we talk about our different perspectives of everything, he'll talk a lot about what affected him was more of the carnage and what he was seeing. Where I was, um, once we barricaded, I was was pretty shielded from that and everything. But the energy in that environment and the sound, like every time I talk, I have chills right now. It was such an electrifying energy of fear and um, confusion and everything that um, the your the sounds were so loud. Like Troy and I were arms length apart from each other and we're literally screaming to each other because it's so loud and so noisy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this brings us to so obviously you have a great mission for now starting a training program for the civilian, right? Mm-hmm. The average person. Yes. What? Does your, rather than getting into what your training entails, Mm -hmm. I want our listeners, my listeners to, to, to have some tools. Mm -hmm. What are some, the, what are, what is the very first thing one should do in a situation like this? What are some tools, some things to do? I think assessing is the most important thing that you can do. And by assessing? Um, Assessing meaning that you, you take in the environment and make an informed decision. Some of the things that we saw that night was that people were, um, very panicked, they're very scared, and um, they just decided to do something, which was run or freeze or hide. Um, it may have been the best decision they could have made. It may have been the worst decision they could have made. I don't know because I wasn't in their shoes. But there's one thing that we train on in police work um, ever in ever since the academy is that we are going to make sure that we assess environments and make proper decisions. And um, sometimes it'll only take like hundreds of milliseconds to make an assessment. And sometimes it'll take three or four minutes um, to make an assessment. For me, one of the things that happened was I had Shannon and two of her friends and I was assessing for four people. How are we going to get out of the venue safely, as safe as possible? Um, While doing that, there was about 20 to 40 other people that decided I looked like I knew what I was doing. So they came over and huddled with me and said, well, you're the one going to get us out of here. And now I have to reassess. That's so, something else the brain does. They look for the leader, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's very, yes. very intuitive. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So when they did that, I, other than me being able to um, assess that situation, um, I had to now figure out how do we get 20 to 40 people out of this area in an open venue with a sniper position and move them safely where a person can't shoot us. Um, and so while I'm assessing the second assessment, it's taken me about five minutes now and I got shot in the leg. 
So now my body has to decide, okay, not only do I have to assess how do I get these people out, but I have to assess my injury now. So um, I don't recommend you standing in one place in an active shooter for for five or six minutes like I did, but the reality is um, I've been trained to assess the environment and then make the best informed decision that I can. And I think that's one of the most important things that we teach. One of the uh, mantras that we teach is we teach it from Department of Homeland Security. It's called Run, Hide, Fight. And in an active shooter event, Run, Hide, Fight is a very easy mantra for people to remember. Um, It's it's extremely um, easy to perform. Um, those, those three words are really easy for people to be able to perform those actions, but the, the lack of training on how to actually run hide fight is where we come in. Department of Homeland Security has it all over the website. They have a little bit of tidbits here and there of how to, what they mean by run hide fight, but now how do you run? So what we teach is assessment and then run and then an, an assessment and then run. So everybody's making a decision. One of the reasons we teach that is because just like in combat, if you are making decisions, that means your amygdala is actually attached to your frontal lobe. If your amygdala detaches from your frontal lobe, as in fight or flight, you're just doing whatever your body tells you to do, and it may not be the right decision to make. So we want to keep that attachment with your amygdala and your frontal lobe by making those decisions little by little. So are they, are you, do you guys actually have uh, you, the clients that your trainees go through uh, sort of a mock events? No. So it gets brained in? No, we don't do that. And one of the things that, um, that we feel very strongly in is when you're in a stressful situation, it's hard to um, retain your information that you're going through. So in our trainings, uh, we do PowerPoint presentations and we also do very calm walkthroughs through your buildings. Okay. And in these environments, it's a very safe uh, relationship that we build with them. We also make it, we, you know, we joke about Troy going to the bar and getting us drinks and we talk about the evolution of things. So we're trying to educate and retain them in, in a safe environment where they can be involved in that way. Because um, for some, and I know I'm a kinesthetic learner, I would learn more by a mock, by going, my body would remember what to do because it experienced it once. Right. But if you do what you say is that walk through the building or what have you, that's a form of it that works as well. Right. And what Troy does is, um, it's one of my favorite things that we do in the training is we walk through your building and we do it in small groups. And so he takes you as if you are the active shooter and shows you all the deficiencies that the active shooter has in your building and all the advantages that we have as the civilians in your building. So it's very insightful. It's very educational. He shows you the correct way to run, the quick way to hide, and if all else fails, what you can do inside your building to fight. One of his favorite things is those old school three-hole punch I mean, they're like five pounds. He tells everybody, even if you don't use it, you should have it in your office because you never know. Yeah. And and he'll talk about um, how your brain processes everything, how um, you could tell them a little bit about the, the, your vision and how, what we were talking about earlier. Perception reaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the perception reaction, every human being they have, um, we have to be able to perceive to react. And so when you go through all the trainings that law enforcement and military go through, we get taught a lot about the neuroscience behind um, gunfighting. 
And one of the things is a big deficiency in any gunfight is a perception and reaction. So whatever I perceive, I have to go through several steps in my brain to be able to react to that. And that takes time, whether it takes 0.5 seconds or it takes 1.5 seconds, it still takes time. And if we can utilize that as a deficiency of a shooter, then, and we can understand it, we may be able to keep the shooter at bay until the police get there. So as you said earlier, some of the um, stats you got from the FBI, mm -hmm. um, they're only based on 2018. Um, and, and if you look back all the way to 2000, between, between 2000 and 2018, most of the active shooter events only go for four minutes. Um, ours was 10 minutes, but most of them only going for four minutes. So if you think I can hold them at bay for only a couple of minutes, the police can now contact okay. them. And that's what we're trying to provide is stop the bleed methods. Um, how to, how to run height fight, what are your advantages in any venue that you go to and how do we, how do we utilize those advantages? Police officers are trained to react. So we're not trained to go out there and be the aggressor in a deadly situation. We're only trained to react, but we have to learn how to utilize the advantages that we have because we are at a disadvantage every time we go into a deadly situation. So that's what we're trying to, Shannon and I are trying to teach is how do you utilize the things that you have? as an advantage, even though it feels like you're at a disadvantage. Correct. Because you think the weapon is what you need to have in order to fight right. back. And it it's really not. And it, one of the things we talk about for everyone, for your listeners and everything is that um, it doesn't matter where you are. So it could be at work. And what you should do is you should learn all of your entrances and exits. And you should change the way you go all the time. Because if you only enter and exit from one spot that's where your brain is going to go right so that's when how you get home from work without thinking about correct it, right? like you don't even think about it so when you go into the grocery store when you go into all these places find look around know where your avenues are know where you could go know that the back of the store actually has x6 so you're just you're not being paranoid such as how we used to always make fun of troy at every event he would walk us all around all these things <laughs> But you, you used to show everyone the exits. Oh, well, he I would. would he I, would I did the it. layouts of the exit, or I did the layouts of all the venues that we would go into. Yes, yes. and we'd always. I, I make hate fun that of you them. were proven right. That's what we always said. <laughs> That's what it took for your friends to like suddenly your wife respect you now. Right, now right. They're like, they're like, exits. Yeah. Exit strategy, everyone. It's, it's, it's so funny. Even at that venue at Route ninety one, my girlfriend even said, "Oh, Troy, we're so proud of you because you're relaxing more and totally getting in." And he blamed her for the whole thing he's like it's your fault michelle you're the one that said it you're in trouble <laughs> well done, yeah. Yeah, right. 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 it's like That's what they always tell you yeah but we, we try to make it as um as easy to understand for anyone so we'll talk about like the hide aspect of it and we'll say you're going to hide as if you were five years old and you don't want to be found. You're not going to climb under this desk where you can be seen. You're going to go hide, turn off all the lights, make sure your cell phone's off, do whatever you can do to um, not make it seek. hard. Yeah. Hide and seek. Right. Be a good hider. Right. Yeah. Like you have four minutes. They're not going to want to work unless they're you know, trying to look for one specific, they're trying to hit as many people as they can. They are not wanting to spend time to go and find the few small amounts of people. So the harder you make them work, the better, and you're going to slow them down. What do you tell people with children? 
Same thing. This the the what we do in our training is a basic um, foundation for tactics, and a basic foundation for tactics is what if everybody were able to uh, utilize these basic foundations, they will work in any venue for any age, um, and that is the really the main thing of why we do um, the training the way we do it. Because we want people to take what we have and we teach them and we want them to go back and give the same information to their kids. Now, in the past, um, there have been companies, there still are companies, but in the past, these companies have used the active shooter drills that first responders use to train first responders. It is very difficult to go home and tell your kids, go hide in the house, I'm going to come in with a fake gun and I'm gonna to try to kill you, you see how fast you leave. You're not gonna take that back to them. No, no. So the way we train, you, we want you, we can't train everybody in America. We will try, but we can't. But if we can give it to one person and that person can give it to three people and those three people can give it to eight people, you can see how that can get everybody trained up or at least have some kind of knowledge in, in again, neuroscience, in your hippocampus. If your hippocampus has some information in it that your frontal lobe can look at, then you get that information and you can actually make an informed decision. decision. Right. But if you don't have any information in that hippocampus, your frontal lobe says, I don't know. I don't know where to go. It's like listening to this podcast. Your hippocampus is now hearing from two experts. Yes. From, yeah. What, a little bit, a little bit of information. Mm -hmm. Speaking of people with physical limitations, what do we tell them? Do they? So the venue is very important for them. Right. If I have a physical limitation, that's not going to allow me to get out of the way of a of a a, um, a stampede. Then I'm going to have to sit in a different area. It may be better to sit in one area, but in the in the reality of it, um, I have no physical disabilities, and I would always be on the outskirts of every venue because how quickly can I get out of a venue if I'm next to the exit? Can you imagine if everyone? wanted to just be near the exit at every venue now. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> then I'd go in the middle. <laughs> this is my way of getting front row seats. <laughs> but I mean, you, you have to know your abilities and knowing who you are and your abilities, you have to prioritize how much you want to gain in the entertainment that you're there for. And how much you can provide if, if an emergency were to happen. Because we're just, we obviously, Shannon and I talk about active shooter preparedness. But there are so many different incidences that could happen at all these venues that well, you still have to be prepared for those emergencies. Well, yeah, and then there's work, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Office buildings, people, that happens. The, right. uh, you know, the post office yeah. recently. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, it's Colleges. Anywhere. Yeah. Nightclubs. Really anywhere. Yeah. And the, one of the things that we stress on is don't be paranoid. Don't walk around thinking that everybody's going to hurt you. But if you're prepared, then your reaction time is going to be better. And the things that you're going to react to is most likely going to be the most advantageous way of doing it. And that's one of the things that we try to teach. What is the most advantageous way of doing it? And um, it, even our kids, our kids are 12 and 16. They know what they're supposed to do at school now. We walk through their school with them. They understand what they're supposed to do. Um, we have friends, Shannon's been volunteering at schools for, I don't know, it seems like 100 years. Um, and so she knows all the teachers, all the principals. We've talked to them about things that we are talking about today, just little tidbits of things. And 
hopefully that will be able to stop our in our goal is to stop these violent uh, actions by these people in these events by by reacting correctly correctly yeah mm -hmm. and so they have to figure out yes and then they have to figure out another way of trying to hurt people right but Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's my job, right? Ever, right? Ever since 1995, when I got hired, it's how do we stop the crime down on the street? Well, this is how we do it. Then we then we implement it. And then the bad guys go, oh, we can't do it there. We have that's to figure right. out another way to do it. Got it. Right. It's always evolving. Let's talk specifically about SC Zeman. How does one sign up? How long is the training? What's the give us the gist? Uh, I will have all of your information in the show notes for people. Press a clickable link so we can get to your website. Perfect. And but in the meantime, just tell us what to expect if we decide to sign up. Right. So we offer it, we there's four things, main things that we offer, and then we can tailor it to each company and everything. Um, the first thing is we have PowerPoint presentations, and we have them where we could tailor them to um, a company with their employee base. So we're going to talk kind of what we've done here in more detail, evolution of active shooter and how the police respond and everything. We're going to talk about um, what happens in your body, your, you know, your psyche, everything. So you can identify it and identify it in others around you. We'll talk about run, hide, fight. And then we actually have pictures and talk about how we actually used to run, hide, fight to get ourselves out. So we talk all about that. Um, we also have another PowerPoint presentation that we do for management, and it helps the management understand what to do before a situation like this is to happen, what you should have in place um, during to so support your... So the venues that... Correct. Yeah. Or in your in your business, correct. Like you can have lined up for um, professional uh, therapists that might need these things. And then, so what to do during and then what to do after. So that's what we do for management. Um, we have our... Uh, on-site walkthroughs that we do. Our PowerPoint presentations, we can do it from as small as two people to as large as any we've done um, so far. Up to so you travel people. two people? Yeah. I mean, I get why in a corporation. So this isn't a place where you... Uh, you you create you have a space that people go to no we actually go where the people are so and we'll train you where you are so, so someone can put a group together in yes. their home perhaps or we could do homes we could do churches space. office spaces buildings large venues um we have one organization that's looking at bringing a couple organizations together and doing it like at their junior high auditorium all of those things we can do though the on-site walkthroughs again you'd want that at your building or at your church or at your school or at your grocery store whoever wants to do it and that's where troy physically walks you through and will they let you through the tsa line if that happens <laughs> well i don't know that's a crime <laughs> You know, you, know, you never know. We're, we're not going to say no to anything. Like, that's what we're there for. And then the last thing that Troy does is he can actually come to an office space. And he uh, goes through and checks all of... How would you want to explain it? Basically hardening the target. So if you are... You, you could do it for home. Any type of structure. If you have a structure, then I can come in and we can talk about door swings, um, reinforcing certain things, why certain rooms in your um, structure is are good for barricading and why certain rooms are not good for barricading, what you need in those rooms, 
um, if you were to barricade. So there's a lot of things that we as uh, law enforcement, because we go into so many homes and because we get trained on so much, we understand how some homes can be set up or businesses can be set up so difficult to actually get in. And again, we're thinking about four minutes of time. So if we can if we can always slow the person down for about four minutes, then they're probably going to be contacted by the police before they get contacted with any victims. Is that the average response time for so, law enforcement? Depends on the venue. Probably. Well, the four minutes is an average um, from 2000, 2017 from FBI of how long these events happen. The average response time is actually all dependent on the, the agency itself. Um, in LAPD, you have... 10,000 officers there, um, that's, I'm sure the response time in an active shooter is going to be pretty fast. I know that in Newport, we deploy a lot of officers and very fast response times to even small things. So an active shooter, I think that they would respond very, very quickly. Um, most agencies that I see around the world right now, um, especially in the United States, we've had some active shooter events in the last couple of years, and those have been contacted by police police within a minute. Great. So, I mean, the, the response is getting very quick. The response is getting very f efficient and the training for officers are just getting better and better every day. So is if we can slow them down um, and those that, that on site is here to help you slow those bad guys down. Um, one of the things that we do recommend though, if you are going to try to look at our training, um, there's a process that we go through. So in, in first responder training, we do like eight hours in a day. It's too much for civilians to do that kind of stuff. So what we try to do is the PowerPoint, we try to do the PowerPoint first, then we do a walkthrough. And that is, it, it helps with the PowerPoint. If you already understand the things in the PowerPoint, then the walkthrough, you can really retain a lot of information. Mm -hmm. And then we can do um, an on-site inspection for you. And then if and you're a corporate- at a separate time. Yeah, at a separate time. to be on the same day. <clears throat> and you yeah. don't need all your employees for that. That's just, you know, your one-on-one -on -one management. Right, and we don't want to shut in anything down. So we've done some private companies that are 24 hours, and we we still can do those companies because we give them that. It's it's more than a lunch and learn. It's more of, a, more of an hour presentation. We can always make it longer, but the reality is about an hour is what a human person can take in with this kind of information, retain it, go home, give it up, and then we can come back and do a walkthrough, which will reinforce that information and show them, just like you said, it, it's much easier for you to learn if you're doing it. So what we've taught you in the PowerPoint, now we're going to teach you in an actual walkthrough. Right, exactly. So, and you already good. have the information. It's kind of like <laughs> studying for an exam and then taking the exam to right. make sure that you know what you know, what you think you know. Yeah, right. and, and we say it's just, you know, your brain's a must, like any kind of muscle in your body. So if you work out once and you never work out again, that does nothing for you. So this is just like... Uh, how we're trying to tell people with CPR training, you have to revisit it. You have to, you know, continue that training. What we're telling people is you have to utilize this. Every time you go into a store, look for those areas. You know, when you're driving the car, look for, you know, be aware, be vigilant, work that muscle. Right. You don't have to become hyper vigilant. Right. Vigilant. Yeah. Now, I made a point that I wrestled with uh, just sharing this whole ordeal with the, you know, coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Is there some possibility to that the mayhem? The, the... I don't believe so. No. I, I think that the, the WHO and CDC are absolutely the people that should be talking only. Um, and I think they've given us some great information, which was wash your hands, try not to touch your face. 
and their new information maybe stay with you know three to six feet and until we can find a um the vaccine, the vaccine yes. right? Sure. Until we can find the vaccine. And I think that, that that's a responsible statement. I don't believe, in my opinion, I do not believe that the responsible statement is go out and think that you're going to die or or the government's going to shut down or people are going to go yeah. get put in their house and never come out. You know, I worry that, you know, folks are so obsessed with toilet paper and paper towels <laughs> that, you know, if they're going to go nuts. I saw some poor woman get yelled at at the Walgreens because the place was out of toilet paper. Right. And it, I had that flash for a second. I said, is this someone who's primed to come back, who's going to be so angry right. that they are going to come back and make it pay? So um, I, 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 I almost feel like I, first of all, I've got to ask you, you were given the Medal of Valor for... I have two Medal of Valors, one from LAPD and one from Newport. I know. That's something I did not know. So it should be medals. Yes. So in, in LAPD, I worked a unit in LAPD, and um, my partner and I were assigned to some very violent people, and we were ambushed twice. One of the ambushes that we um, were able to survive, we took a person into custody, and he is doing a lot of time in prison right now, but he was one of the enforcers for a gang in L.A. And he set up an ambush to kill a cop. And luckily, we didn't die. Um, but I got a, we, me and my partner both got a Medal of Valor for taking him off the street. From the governor. Oh, yeah, oh. from Arnold. And yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger really, was a very nice guy. He was really yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I if do. If you have it, I'd love it. And I'd love to share it on Instagram with my Oh, yeah. Just, but yeah, because oh, yeah. Yeah, when I post the episode, I have a pic of like something with the guests. Yeah. And some oh, trivia. Cool. So it'd be fun. He was see. a really nice guy. It was really it He was, was really very cool. nice. We got to sit back in his office. There was, I want to say there was nine of us in the, in the, uh, at the state at the White House, and not, he, not I'm sorry, not the White House, no, the, the State House, state, yeah, state, Sacramento, state, um, and, and we were, just me and my partner were from LAPD, and the other people were from other agencies, um, so he gave out a number of them, and, uh, but he just comes in and sits down and hangs out with us and talks like, like we're talking today, and I was like, hungry. man, he's such a great guy, yeah. so nice. Yeah. He was so nice. And then your second. Um, and then my second one was from Route 91. Look at the proud wife taking him on. <laughs> Bring it on. Give all our stuff out. Uh-huh. So the second one was for a um, Route 91 um, after we got back to Newport. And I talked to my um, chief of police. Uh, they Newport Beach was amazing to me and her. Yes. And uh -oh. so then he... Uh, I like people doing nice things. You're awful <laughs> and a sweetheart. Right? How lucky are you, Sharon? I know. It's a, you know, it's a so, sensitive guy, I tell some you. Some girls just have it all. Uh, <laughs> so they, um, they did a, a great thing, and they awarded me the Medal of Valor for helping 20 people out of the venue and doing what was responsible for me to do at the time of the event. So I'm just happy it was just your leg. Yeah. yeah. As much as it was, you know, it, it was it fair. Or, yeah. Know, it's it, luckily. Yeah. yeah. You're fine. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I took four days off work. Just That's four. It. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You wanted to go back. Yeah. <laughs> and were you supportive of this? 
Wait, yeah. I've, <laughs> I mean, listen, 18 years with someone at yeah. this point. I mean, I, I would have loved him to be home a little bit more just to rest and relax, but that would have driven him crazy. Yeah, I'm sure. He wanted to be back at work because that's what his life is, is to, you know, protect and, and you know, take care of everyone. And that's what his job is. And that's what is that's what it's driven by. You started this at the age of 21. Yes. Did you always know that's what you wanted to be? Um, pretty much. So I played soccer um, when I was younger and one of my coaches was a LAPD officer and he was a great guy. Uh-oh. And then um, he... Uh, <laughs> he became know, Troy's great. like he's second dad. Yeah, he's yeah. like my godfather. Their family and, is Troy's second family. They're amazing. Yeah, so it was really great, and um, if I didn't play pro professional soccer, then that's where I was going to go work for LAPD. So that's yeah, kind of what happened. It when, was great. When we were in high school, yeah. everybody knew Troy was going to be an LAPD officer. You've been together since high school? Yeah. Probably. I know. We did take some time off, which was okay. Oh, good. God. Yes, you got to learn. You got to yeah. grow. You got to... But we always knew it was. Yeah, Shannon broke up with me. Yeah, I did. I wanted to go party. You didn't want to. It wasn't my fault. I, you know. That's what they said. I'm to party school. Oh, God. I did not know that, that it was not until I got there. It was a whole nother learning experience. It was very shocking. Kept me out of a lot of trouble. But yeah, so we always knew in high school it was if Troy wasn't going to be a professional soccer player. He was going to be a police officer. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, there's a whole other episode there. It's right. Like <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I am, I always do this. I always think I'm going to wrap it up and then suddenly I get another question. Right. So, so far, I don't feel like I have another question coming. Yeah. But is there anything else you'd like to add? I would just like to say that, um, in any kind of event where it's an active shooter event, um, any kind of violence at, at work or at home or anything. Um, one of the biggest things that I learned is if you take that millisecond just to assess what's going on, um, it's, it's going to help. It, you don't, just don't jump to a panic. And you'll be able to help yourself help others. And, you know, you can... You can and you will survive it. Mm. Like, don't ever give up. Okay. Yeah. And I think I'd just say that um, we are doing this strictly to give you hope in a hopeless situation. Yes. And preparedness is... Gives you that hope. It's very hopeful. Yes. It certainly is. There's no denying. You are a lovely couple. I usually ask for a cute way to say goodbye. But I thought when you said run, hide, fight... That's a lovely way to say goodbye to the listeners. Mm -hmm. But before we do, say your website or any way we can contact you, and then I will have it on the show notes, listeners. Perfect. So you can just click. So you can find us at S as in Sam, C as in Cat, Z as in Zebra, ActiveShooter.com. So it's SCZActiveShooter.com. And that will have our phone numbers and our emails, and we'd love to hear from everyone. Okay, and one more time, would you mind saying it with me? Run, hide, fight. Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>
Okay, maybe not, not quite by yet. If you know someone who might enjoy this topic or this episode, why don't you just forward it to them right now? Share, help us grow our community. And uh, check out the Instagram, follow us on Instagram at WhatTheFockery to see what our guests look like. I'm sure you're pretty interested sometimes. And um, the videos and the stories and previews and clips We are growing, we are growing, and I have you to thank for that. Now, officially, till we meet again, next episode, same place, same station? No, not a station. Okay, see you next time. Bye!